And welcome back to some sort of the Cooler Jits podcast. Where it's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, that sucked. That was tough. That was about as bad as it could have gone for the Jets on Monday Night Football, losing 27 to 6. We're recording this Tuesday morning. The Jets fall to 4 and 4, a loss to another team competing for an AFC wildcard spot. So potentially a loss that, that could hurt the Jets uh, in the chase for the wildcard spot. And also a loss that hurts their chance at, at winning the division. Um, they had a chance to pass Buffalo, be second, and be tied in losses with the Dolphins, who were in first place. Um, but ultimately, Michael, the Jets played offensively terribly. But let's be honest, they haven't played well offensively since that Chiefs game. I mean, the, the Broncos game, Eagles game, and the Giants game, they won those games because the defense was absolutely flawless, which they were pretty damn close in this game. The special teams was absolutely flawless, which they weren't in this game. And the Jets didn't make that many self, didn't have too many self-inflicting wounds. In those other games, they had a couple. In this one, they had a ton, especially when it comes to turning the ball over. Too many fumbles. This Jets team is just not designed to win games when they're giving up touchdowns on special teams and losing the turnover uh, differential by three. I mean, so it was a it was a nightmare game for the Jets, a blowout at home on prime time. Uh, it was a good crowd, and I feel bad that the Jets once again cannot rise to the occasion. So, Michael, a lot of places we can go with this one. Uh, you and I both rewatched the game this morning, so we have a lot to say. Um, I'll just go first. Your 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 initial reaction uh, to last night. Um, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I just want to watch a professional offense for once. It's you know, just the way they lose games is so boring every single year. Like, can we lose some thirty to twenty seven games or something like that? Hey, they did last it, year. It, it, it would at least be entertaining. Um, I don't know. Even there, they only had like one touchdown the whole game. They just loaded up on field goals. Oh, you're right. I mean. Yeah. It's 2023, teams are airing the ball out, putting up big numbers, and we're out here putting up six points at home against the number 32 pass defense that traveled across the country. I don't know. I just want to see some points for once. It's hard to blame you. Um, and there's a lot of blame to go around on this Jets offense. I think a lot of it's been focused on Zach Wilson. What do you feel about this? Because I rewatched the game. And I'm sorry, I don't see a guy who's different than the last three games that they won. That's not to say that he's been great or anything, but just to say, like, he's playing at a backup quarterback level, which is what he was supposed to be this year. People are still grading him on the number two overall pick scale, which is fair. He was the number two overall pick, but the Jets did replace in this offseason. And then I've heard, I've heard a lot of criticism about, like, why didn't the Jets bring in a better backup quarterback? Why is it Zach Wilson? It's like, I'm saying that he's playing like a, a pretty good backup quarterback right now. Is he playing like a good number two overall pick. No, but you watch these games and it's like, all right, every game he does some, some really nice things and some really bad things. The team around him sucks. The play calling and, and scheme sucks. The receivers are dropping balls. The offensive line is terrible. So it's a group mess on offense, but obviously everybody's going to focus on the quarterback and the quarterback did some bad things on Monday night. How do you feel about, about his performance on the rewatch? I mean, I think this was worse than any of the last three games. I feel like he just missed more easy throws than the last few games. Um, but at the same time, I agree with what you said to where, you know, I don't know if it's worth overanalyzing because he's a backup quarterback and he's playing like a bad, a backup quarterback. He's not catastrophically bad to where he's sinking the whole team because yet again, for the second straight game, it was very much everything else as much as it was him. Um, you know, terrible play calling and not even play calling. It's just scheming. Like, Hackett doesn't get people open. His concepts never work. He literally called four verticals on third and 12. 
it's verbatim. I don't know if that applies to something that's not words, but regardless, it's a straight up copy of four verticals on one third and 12 play. And we're just chucking it up on the sidelines, Garrett Wilson, which I guess that's good. Just give him a chance to make a play, but there's nothing creative about anything he does except a wildcat on fourth and one, which I mean, it worked, but I did not like terrible idea. I mean, I'm not even confident the jets can do a normal run on fourth and one and pick it up with this offensive line. And you want to just tell the defense, we're going to run this ball. That's what we're doing. Here's, no, the part I don't like about that was they had Max Mitchell as the lead blocker pulling from that as right well. Guard His spot. first ever NFL game at guard. Let's have him. Yeah, what did you? What did you, you make of that? With about that move? I mean, I have a theory about why they did it. Um, because I, I oh, think in terms of Mitchell playing guard. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go all over the place here, but we'll. You know, you mentioned Mitchell playing guard quickly. What do you think? Well, the worst part of that actually wasn't him playing guard. It was the fact that <laughs> Turner was at tackle and he gave up ten pressures. He in three sacks. The problem with Turner, which I really noticed on the rewatch, is he's just blown back so easily. And then Mitchell is also a guy who was kind of deemed to be undersized at tackle. So inside at guard going up against three techs, the right side of this Jets offensive line is just going to get bullied week in and week out. Now, granted, I think the reason they did this is because their ultimate plan, and maybe you see it as soon as next week, is Dwayne Brown back at left tackle, Becton at right tackle, and they figured might as well give Mitchell the reps at right guard because i think that's where they want to play him the rest of the season so i think that's why they did it but you're right i mean turner was terrible he was awful he was worse than than mitchell and on, honestly i think lake and tomlinson was worse than the max mitchell in the rewatch as well so i yeah. mitchell wasn't good but you know and then he has so many awkward sloppy plays where he's just like i don't know he just I don't know how to describe it, but you, you know what I'm talking about when you watch Max? He's like falling over himself, tripping yeah, like on his two feet. He doesn't really like, like have a base under him. It's he doesn't like, look coordinated. He's so I guess easily that's, moved. That as yes. well. I mean, and there's also with Blake and Tomlinson, there's been this narrative this year that like, and it's only because he's playing and he's the only guy who's not injured and hasn't moved. Well, I mean, in addition to Becton, but the, like people act like he's been stable and reliable this year. No, he hasn't. He's been just as bad as he was last year. He's yeah, terrible. Yeah. He's supposed to be helping to hold this together for $15 million a year, whatever his contract See, he's is. Like he's like the second highest paid just player as on the bad team. As, as everyone else on this offensive line every single week. And it doesn't matter who's next to him because we're just talking about one-on-one reps where he's getting roasted every single week. He's bad. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of CJ Uzama. He gave up a sack <laughs> in the red zone where Zach Wilson, it was like a double post. He read Conklin first, and it was covered, and he was going to go to Garrett Wilson outside, and there was a potential window there, but he gets sacked as soon as he has the potential to uh, possibly try that throw because Uzama gets beat, even though Ruckert was helping him to the outside, and yet he oversets the outside and just lets the guy get inside. You, have you noticed that they've that they they've listened in, in terms of playing Ruckert more, but instead what they've done is Ruckert has now replaced Conklin in 12 personnel on first downs. So in, to open up the game. So technically, these starting tight ends for the Jets were Uzama and Rucker and not Conklin. So Conklin comes in afterwards. And it's like, no, no, no. Uzama is an infinitely worse run blocker than Conklin. And so I, I guess that's just because they feel like maybe they want to save Conklin for third. I don't know what they're doing. But you're right. Like Uzama had a bad drop to open up the game. He was bad on the punt return. He had another bad special teams as, uh, special teams play as well. He was brought in to be a guy who, like I remember, and maybe this is just coach speak, but they're like, he's a guy, he's one of the best yak tight ends in the league he can't make a guy miss to save his life he had the one where it was like a shoestring tackle by a db and he just gets tackled immediately for, for three yards he had the drop touchdown at the end of the game i think he had like three drops i mean he's terrible he's awful 
And when you think about like the amount of salary cap space that's going to Lakins Hollinson, CJ Uzama, Dalvin Cook, and hell, you know what? The other guy who deserves a lot of credit, a lot of blame, and I defended him, but Alan Lazard, another cap hole, a game where he he was awful. And like I don't know if it's just because I saw somebody float this out. This is all speculative. He got rocked in like the second play of the game. Maybe he had a concussion. That would be the only thing that would explain he had the illegal shift penalty that brought back a big play. He had a holding penalty that brought back a big play. He had a bad drop to open open the game. He had another bad drop later in the game. He had one that was a 30-yard like back shoulder throw. I thought it was a great pass from Zach Wilson, and he just doesn't high point it at all. Um, yeah, he you can't. You were right on on the offseason about this guy can't be your number two receiver. He's not a good Robin. And and to I stood up for him. I was like, well, no, he was the Robin to Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Um, but you're right. He's terrible. You can't have a guy. Like, I like what he brings in terms of the size that he brings, him as a blocker, what he does as a clear-out route. I also don't think we've got to see him, their idea when they brought him in, because they brought him in for Rodgers. And a lot of what he does well is those tight window contested jump ball, red zone opportunities. He hasn't had many of those. But he is not a number two receiver. It's hard to blame Douglas considering that he wasn't supposed to be. Corey Davis pulled the rug on them late in training camp. And then they tried to trade for Devontae Adams this week, and that didn't work out. So it's it's hard to go at Douglas for, for the Lazard play, but he was terrible in this game. And I don't mean saying that. I guess I was right about picking him as my X Factor because he was a huge difference in the Jets doing something in offense and then just constantly shooting themselves in the foot. So I don't know where you want to go with that. But Lakin, Lazard, Uzama, Cook. All these investments on on offense through free agency, they've been fucking terrible. Pardon my French. I know some people don't like the cursing, but it's deserved. Yeah, I mean, across the offense, like like you just mentioned, there's – and I I think I lean towards the pro Joe Douglas side, but there's definitely a lot of money here that's just sitting around on that field, not doing much of anything between all the guys you just mentioned. And with Lazard, I mean, obviously they didn't plan for him to be this – important because they had Corey davis they even signed hardman who i guess they probably thought would be a you know have a bigger impact than he ended up having and you know Corey davis leaves late but i i do feel like they they should have treated it as a more desperate need i know they tried to get Devontae adams and they explored some of the other star receivers but they should have gotten someone it should have been viewed as a necessity not just at the trade deadline but before the season like i think when Corey davis retired you should have viewed that as like um, you know, say you have a backup right tackle who's about to start. Your starting right tackle just went out for the season. It's not as noticeable as that when your wide receiver two is struggling versus a right tackle who's giving up sacks and hits and things like that. But it does have just as direct of an effect on the quarterback and the offense as the offensive line. So I think that it was a poor evaluation to not be more desperate about replacing Corey Davis and kind of acting like, they could just navigate without that, especially because you go beyond Lazard. Randall Cobb is your third receiver. He's a spot or two higher than he should be. They've they deactivated him, though. He was a healthy scratch. So I think and then beyond that, the you chart. just have pretty much nothing. Just a bunch of fringe players who all have shown pretty much nothing while they've hey, shown. Hey, uh, while they've don't, been don't slander Malik Taylor like that. No, I, no we I will. Was, he's, I was he's predicting. A jag. I was he is a jag, but I was predicting they were going to get the the deep ball to Malik Taylor in this game, and they did try it at the end of the game. Um, it was close. I will say watching that Giants film back on the all 22 Taylor was the only guy getting open that not named Garrett Wilson. So he did, but it was only like two plays. Yeah, I know it was, it was like three or four, but yeah, but yeah, like Lazard, it's, it's such a big negative impact that like, we'll talk about the 
quarterback and the offensive coordinator and the O-line, and it's all deserved 100%. But, like, when you're watching these games and Alan Lazard is playing 89% of the snaps and he can only catch two passes, it's because he's constantly blanketed. And this he, is every single game. He and it just changes the way you play this team because, like, as a defense, if you want to bracket Garrett Wilson, do whatever you want to stop him, the consequence of that is supposed to be, okay, now the number two receiver, he's in an advantageous spot. But defenses know he's not going to punish us. He can't beat anyone by himself. So they're stopping Garrett Wilson, taking him out of the game, and no one is stepping up to take advantage of the attention that he commands. And that's just caused a domino effect that's made this whole passing attack just devoid of weaponry. So it's it all starts with the lack of depth at receiver. I feel like the Jets should have been more desperate. I, again, Corey Davis, late retirement, not on them, I guess, but they should have looked at it and said, like, this just does not work. We have to do something or this offense is going to look the way that it has looked this year. It was kind of set up to play out that way. Yeah. He doesn't separate and he has at least one terrible drop every game. Yeah. So that's your number two receiver right there. And like, as I said, like, I don't think the contract's that horrible. They can get out of it after 2024. He was clearly brought in because they were going to have Rogers. And so I, I get all that. And then they had Corey Davis, but like you said, it's, he's a net negative right now. And I like some of the things he brings to this offense. Like, I want to be very clear. Like I'm not a strict Lazard hater, like some other people, because I've watched it all 22. And it's like, all right, this guy does do a lot for this offense, the way they're trying to design it. But he was terrible in this game. He was awful in this game. And the real problem with this Jets offense, this is how I feel, is that they're playing for third and short too much, which is like, I get it because it was the issue in the Dallas game and the new England game in particular. It's like, you go run, run, and then the Jets are in third and long. You have Zach Wilson in these terrible situations where defenses are just able to pin their ears back and go after him, and the DBs can play cover four, you know, something that takes away anything at the sticks. And you put Zach Wilson in these awful situations time in and time out. And so then the Jets have been, like, trying to play old school. This is the right mentality, which is let's keep him in third and manageable. So anytime they're, like, in a second and seven or a second and eight, they're running it up the middle to try to get to third and five. But the reality is, is how many third downs does Zach Wilson and this Jets offensive line have in them? How, are they a team that can consistently and methodically move themselves down the field? I don't really think so. Like, they, have, they haven't had a single touchdown drive since the Chiefs game. All their other touchdowns have just been one-play touchdowns. So they're not a team that can methodically drive themselves down the field. Maybe they can get into field goal range sometimes, but they suck in the red zone. So there's not enough explosive deep shots down the field because they're trying to keep themselves in third and manageable. But I, I'm sorry. It's like you have this great defense. Your offense sucks. You, you guys are not methodically driving 75 yards multiple times in a game. It's just not happening right now. So it's like they need to open it up and start attacking down the field. Be like the 2019 Titans with Ryan Tannehill. Didn't throw that much. All they had was A.J. Brown out wide. And they had Derrick Henry in the backfield. Pretty similar situation to what the Jets had. Granted, they probably had a better offensive line. But it's like. A lot of play action and a lot of play action deep shots multiple times during the game. Because, hey, it might get intercepted, but you're punting anyways. So might as well just throw it 50 yards down the field. And Zach Wilson, one of the things you really like about him is his arm talent. And he hasn't really stretched the field that much since the Chiefs game. So it's like, in my opinion, do you agree with that? Where it's like they're playing for third and short too much with the two-yard pass to the flat, run on second and, and medium. It's like, just start throwing beyond the sticks. And if you go three and out, you go three and out. But you have this great defense. And you might get, you know, you might get, let's say you throw deep 10 times and you connect on three of them, which is not good. 
but it's like maybe two of those get you in field goal range and one scores. That's 13 points right there. And that's a bad, you know, I know it's like a numbers you're just pulling out of your ass, but I'm just saying, I just feel like that's a better recipe for this Jets offense to have any sort of success than trying to rely on Zach Wilson methodically moving him down the field in these manageable situations. I just don't think this Jets offense has it in them. Somebody is going to make a mistake every three plays. So you're not a team that's putting together 15-yard scoring drives. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we saw the stat this week where the Jets have the most one-play scoring drives in the league. So that's really been their best offense is when they are explosive. They're not a methodical team by any means, which I think the most important cog to be methodical, or at least the two most important, are probably offensive line and quarterback. And we know the Jets don't have that right now. So the best strength that they have is the explosiveness of Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, and that's really what they should be trying to Unleash, and they do have other guys with some explosive potential. Like Lazard can be an explosive guy when he catches the ball, and you know they also have Izzy waiting in the back end there, who they should put in at some point just to add some change. Of, I get change of he's pace. going to play. I said this to, to my mom has gotten into watching the Jets this year, which is always it's always interesting to watch somebody who's never watched football and their their takes on it. She hates Alvin Cook, and I was like, I guarantee you in December they're going to have this rookie come in. He's going to play. His name's Abanacanda. And he's going to put together some good games. And everybody's going to be like, where the hell was he all season? And it's like, you knew when you wasted $7 million on Dalvin Cook after, what, week three, you knew this guy sucked? And he should be inactive? And yet here we are. Brees Hall gets a huge run. I next knew in play. August. You knew it. Hey, that's true. That You were right on it. Uh, you were also right on Lazard. So the, the nanny of slander needs to stop. The uh, <laughs> the Dalvin Cook – oh, sorry. Brees Hall had a big run. They got into plus territory. They followed up with, let's throw a screen to Dalvin Cook. Had the numbers advantage, had a lot of open space ahead of him, would have gotten him, you know, I, I don't want to say he would have scored, given how Dalvin Cook is averaging like two yards a carry right now. But he drops the screen, and it would have been easily a first down, maybe got them inside the red zone, and maybe could have scored. And it just sucks all the momentum out of out of the Jets' offense. He's terrible. I mean, like that, him, Uzama, they can go. There's probably other guys. Uh, Lakin, he can go. Who else? Who else am I forgetting? Lazard... He can stay, but they need to bring somebody else in. Anybody else? Sure. I mean, like that's what's just frustrating is we've been saying this since like we literally week one, both of these guys we were talking about. The cook, he sucks. Uzama, he sucks. I said it in week one. And we're here eight weeks later, and they're both still I mean, Cook, I'm not gonna exaggerate because they have, you know, decreased his snaps every single week. He only had two carries in this game, but there's also the screen, like you mentioned, which was catchable and he didn't catch. It was a big but play. It's like you know, there are better options. You can put Izzy in there. Like, he's at the very least much faster, and I don't see how it'd be, he'd be a downgrade in any other area Area when you're averaging 2.8 yards a carry. Um, and we know Cook isn't a blocker or a pass catcher or a guy who secures the football very well or any much of anything. Um, the same thing for Uzama. He's not blocking. He's not catching easy passes. What does he do? He dyes his hair and he pumps the team up. That's it. And he gives out some tickets on Twitter, which is a very nice gesture, but he should be in the stands watching with those people. He had so. the one good block against the Giants. Like, Uzama has had a few good blocks this year. He had the one that opened up Breeze for the touchdown last week, but I, he was horrific in this game. This is where you really saw everything you've been saying about Uzama. He's terrible. I mean, he could be your well, number three tight end, but why is he playing above Conklin on first down? That makes no sense to me. But to go back uh, to what you were saying earlier about, you know, being a little more aggressive and not playing for a third down, I think – Second down is the worst down. Like, no one really talks about second down on the whole. Like, it's the third down stats that you always hear talked about. But a big part of that is how you lead into it. And I think the problem is that the Jets are 
getting to too many third downs and those third downs are too long. I mean, even the short ones they're bad at as well. So not like it really matters, but it would help if you could just not even get to third down as often. That that's the NFL today. It's not, I mean, maybe in the nineties and two thousands, you'd play like, all right, let's run, run, let's set up some short third downs and control the clock or whatever. But today it's like, you don't have to third down is the last resort. Like, Okay, two passes in a row didn't work. It's third and 10. We can convert that too. We got three chances to get a 10-yard pass. That shouldn't be hard in the NFL in 2023. But for the Jets, it's let's get two yards. Ooh, that's positive. We're going forward. We're setting up a third and short, which we can't convert anyway. So, I like, you look at their second down numbers. I just pulled this up here. They're averaging a league low on second down, 3.3 yards per play. So that's that's where it all starts right there. And, you know, they're only getting a first down on 25% of second down plays. That's third worst. Uh, so if only a quarter of the time they get to second down, they're moving the chains. So 75% of the time, it's third down. So it's nearly a guarantee, not nearly a guarantee, but very likely you get to second down. There's going to be a third down after that. So there needs to be more of a mentality of, uh, I think they misuse the advantage of having a great defense. I think their mentality yeah. is, don't mess up, play safe because we don't want to ruin the defense. Like we don't want to throw a pick six or we don't want to turn the ball over, whatever. But really what the advantage is, is that they're so good that you can take risks and you can fall back on the luxury of having that defense because, you know, they're going to catch you if you fall. They've shown that all year with their ability to get stops in the red zone. Like the Giants game last week, you fumble it on the opening drive and the defense is like, all right, field goal. You're good. Go back out there. Three nothing. We're still in this. Um, so for the most part, the defense has been able to do that. And I think you should be using that to think we can be aggressive, not let's instead of a mentality of let's not waste this, it's let's take advantage of this and allow it to allow ourselves mm-hmm. to feel more comfortable to take risks. So yeah, and, and that's, that's second absolutely. down. I think second down is where it all starts. Like yeah. some first down runs here and there, like like go ahead. That's all fine. But second down, like I feel like there's a real give up mentality, like. Let's shorten this. Let's not go backwards. Let's that should not be get that should be their play action money down. I get it. They yeah. don't they don't want to throw downfield, have it be incomplete, and now Zach's in third and long. That's why they're doing this. They want to limit the amount of time Zach Wilson is in third and long. But the reality is it's like they they were horrible on third down last week against the Giants, and they were in plenty of third and manageable situations. You know, like you said, it really is second down and not being aggressive enough and not taking shots down the field with, with Zach Wilson who has an arm and you look. I don't think this is revisionist history because it's not like Hardman has done anything and we didn't have a podcast after they traded him. I don't really love trading Hardman. Can I be honest? Like I'm not in the room, so it's possible he requested a trade and they just avoid the whole, you know, situation they traded him. But in my opinion, that's at least a guy who can stretch the field and has elite speed. But I know you feel like Gibson took his role in the slot, but it's like, okay, but you could probably give him more outside reps. And I feel better about him. Like as much as I'm talking up Malik Taylor on these deep balls, I feel better if that's, Harbin in that situation, all you did was move up one round two years from now from a seventh to a six. Harbin has done nothing for Casey. So uh, this is not, you know, I, I wanted to say this two weeks ago and I just, you know, we didn't have a pod, but I don't know how you feel about the Harbin trade. And we never really talked about it, but it's like, yeah, I don't know I think if you have the luxury worth keeping like in, in <laughs> for that package when the Jets have the talent they have. And that's not even like a Hardman compliment because he hasn't done much of anything in KC besides he had one good pun return, but he also had a lost fumble. Yeah. Or a muff punt, something of that nature. But yeah, it's not to say he's done much or he's amazing. But when you're 
putting out there, what you're putting out there. It's like can, you could at least try something different because it can't be any worse. But by trading, you just removed an option that at least in the past has shown the ability to be a solid receiver in the league and make plays at a, at a high level. Um, so I, I, I don't want to say it's revisionist history because for me, I feel like, you know, he wasn't fitting in. Gibson was replacing him. Clearly he didn't fit or whatever, but um, the offense really just needs something. But uh, I, I think on top of all this, something that should be mentioned is the fact that like we could talk about them being more aggressive, making all these lineup changes and stuff, but Hackett just isn't effective at play calling. It's, you know, regardless of if he's being aggressive or not aggressive, what he calls just doesn't work. And I think that's the biggest issue more more than anything else because you look at some of these plays that especially I think on third and long, it's like people aren't open. And you yeah. look at most of the best offenses in the league and a lot of it is, you know, they have great talent, great quarterbacks, great receivers and stuff. But how many times do you watch this, the 49ers and guys are just streaking wide open across the middle of the field off a yeah. bootleg or something. It's, it's great. The great offenses have great schemers behind them. And yeah, Hackett is not a great schemer by any stretch. There's not a single game this year where you're like, wow, he's really cooking right now. Getting it's, people open. It's just it's, not there. It's play design. And then situationally knowing what to call at, right, at, yeah. at that time of the game. And he just doesn't have a feel for it. And it's like, it's hard to, you go back and you say, okay, he's in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, but it wasn't like he was calling plays. He was their red zone game planner. Like, that's been great this year, the red zone. That was his area of the field, and they've been terrible in it. He wasn't calling plays. It was LaFleur. And let's just be honest, the reason we didn't criticize the Hackett hiring a lot is because once they hired him, you're like, oh, you're getting Aaron Rodgers. And this offense was Aaron Rodgers going to get to the line and audible into whatever concept he likes against the defense he sees. He's like, all right, they're in this coverage. I like dagger against this. Let me give the hand signal for that. And that's what we're going to run. That was the offense. The amount I would, I'm curious to know the amount of plays that if they had Rodgers and they played a whole season, hell, even just one game, how many times is Rodgers running the play that Hackett calls? You know, outside of a run play, like right. they'll probably give him two plays and he can check into the run. But like the offense was going to be, and they said it was Rodgers going to get to the line. It's going to be static. There's not going to be a lot of pre snap motion. He's going to have 15 seconds or so to look at the defense and then give some hand signals and change the concept and move the blocking around and bang 20 yard play first down, whatever. That was going to be the offense. And so instead, you're in a situation where they're trying to change the whole offense on the fly. Zach Wilson is getting more comfortable at the line of scrimmage. He seems to be seeing the field a little bit better, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. And, yeah, they're never in a great situation. I have to say, LaFleur, I think, did a worse job in terms of coaching up Zach and managing Zach. I think that's the one thing. You, you can see noticeable improvement with Aaron Rodgers or with, with Zach Wilson. I don't know if that is Aaron Rodgers or if that's Todd Downing or if that's Hackett, but – He's at least stepping into the pocket. His accuracy problems don't look as bad. That's not to say he's perfect and not even close. But he looked a lot worse under LaFleur. But with LaFleur, like you said, there were guys open. The scheming was a lot better. He was able to scheme guys open to get yak. There's absolutely zero yak in this offense. I mean, it's all just – yeah, it's like all jump balls, it seems. Like it's just isolating receivers and – like you said, throwing it up to, to Garrett Wilson on a four verts play on third. I mean, like I guess third and twelve is in a is in a great situation to be in anyway. And Wilson comes down with those plays. But like, you know, it seems too easy to, to criticize. There's no creativity in this offense. But anybody who watches this Jets offense looks at it and it's like this offense looks like it's from like 1995. I mean, it's horrible. It's a dinosaur offense. You know, they deserve some credit, I guess, for Zach Wilson looks marginally better. But hey, that's probably Aaron Rodgers' influence. And in fact, it's like you brought in a guy 
who it's the same thing with Adam Gase and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning gets to the line. Okay, Adam Gase is a play called. Maybe he has two plays called. One's a run. Whatever. Peyton Manning gets to the line. Audible's into the concept he likes. They run that. Peyton Manning throws 50 touchdowns. Wow, this Adam Gase guy is really good. He gets hired. He's terrible. That's what Hackett is right now. Hackett at least had a few other years. Like he took the Jaguars to the AFC Championship. Well, the defense did. But Blake Bortles made it to an AFC Championship with Hackett. I guess he can hang his hat on that. He's been an NFL coordinator for like a decade. He can hang his hat on that. But let's be honest. He was Rodgers' buddy, red zone guy. He doesn't have Rodgers. The red zone sucks. He's terrible. And he, in my opinion, is the number one issue on this offense. Yeah, and like this is this is a league. Like we all watched football on Sunday because the Jets weren't playing. This is a league where Josh Dobbs came straight from Arizona to the Vikings, didn't know his teammates' names, didn't take us uh, any snaps from his starting center before this game, comes off the bench, and they score 31 points on the road against a Falcons defense that has been pretty solid or at least average this year. And the Jets at home with the quarterback they've had all year can't score more than six against the 32nd-ranked defense. And like I, I think a big part of play calling is like, like we can talk about creativity all day, but at the end of the day, it's just about like efficiency. Are you winning the chess match? Because you can call creative plays, but the defensive coordinator can call the right play to thwart that. And I think consistently, regardless of if Hackett, like he did call some play action shots and, you know, he'll roll Zach out sometimes. He'll call some screens. He does that stuff, but it feels like every time the defense is ready for it and knows what's coming, he's just consistently out schemed. I think, especially in the Giants game, you saw it. Um, but in, in this game as well, in the Giants game, there was a like you mentioned how every throw seems like it's contested. That was backed up last week by the numbers. Zach Wilson had the lowest average separation on his pass attempts last week of any quarterback in the league. I didn't see the numbers for this week yet, but I, I mean, I, I think it would be similar. They did throw a bunch yeah. of screens and stuff, so that might, you know, uh, a lot of checkdowns and screens, so that might affect the numbers. But last week, it definitely tracked with the numbers, so it. It's as much as it's about all that, it's just like he's not good at it. It's just about being able to call the right thing at the right time. It feels like he's never doing that. So, uh, and like you can, you can get more intricate with the details and stuff like that. I'm not the greatest X's and O's guy in the world in terms of that respect. Like, why are you calling this concept against this coverage and all that? But it's still very easy to just see when the Jets are calling things and every, you know, every single route is covered by what the defense's uh, coverage is. So let's go, let's it, go it's back. Rough. To, it's rough. Let's go back to Zach Wilson for a little bit here and go through some good plays. But, I mean, quickly, part. like when they hired Hackett, that, that was the whole feeling. Like you were excited because we thought they were going to get Rogers, but you're also simultaneously nervous. Cause you're like, okay, if they don't get Rogers, then it's like, why did you hire this guy out of all the options? Like we did a bunch of different candidate reviews and stuff. And there were some guys uh, did we like, even do a hacking one? I don't think we ever we, did. I, I think we wanted to, but we didn't get to do it. Yeah, but my, like my it bad, wasn't the bad. greatest group of, of candidates, but like there were still some guys who were like, all right, I see something here. But Hackett would definitely would have been like an Adam Gase. I know it's different because he's an OC, not a head coach, but similar Adam Gase type of candidate where it's like, okay, this guy just had a disaster season and his offense was awful. We're just gonna hire him right away. Similar in that respect. And, you know, they went out and got him. And I think with Rodgers, it would have worked because, of, like what you said, I think he's more just like a morale guy, coaching behind the scenes, in practice, technique type of guy. Game day play calling, not something he even did in Green Bay. Terrible at it with the Broncos. And his overall track record with previous teams, not good either. So, yeah, it was a very Rodgers-based hire. And now that 
Rodgers isn't there, I think we're seeing Hackett is exactly who we thought he was. So it was when Rodgers went down, hopes for this offense kind of went with it. And that's not to say, like, you know, this would be a great offense with him because it doesn't change the fact that they don't have enough wide receivers, offensive line is injured and all that. But, um, you know, there's a lot that went down with him, quite obviously. he's, He's coming back. I mean, at this point, though, do you want Rodgers so on, on mean, one? Are you want Rogers on one leg behind this? We said that Derwin James kind of convinced me. Did I mean they were saying like he said, "Give me a few weeks or a few." I weeks noticed that I was because I was rewatching because yeah. the, the All Twenty Two is not available on on NFL Plus. I think you have the All Twenty Two, but like, so I was just rewatching the condensed game, and then at the end, you see him, and I was I kept pausing. I was like, "What is he saying to him?" But I saw somebody tweeted that out that that's what he said. I mean, I don't know. He's he's. He's throwing, he's dropping back. He looks a little bit better walking. He still looks still. I mean, look, he's two months off an Achilles injury. The, the problem for him is like, is he going to be able to evade a pass rusher? But like, even yeah. if he can't, even if it's like anytime the offensive line breaks down, he can't get rid of the ball and he just has to go down and throw it away. I still think this offense is better. So if they're in it, if they're in it and he, and he has his eyes set on doing this, I would probably do it, but you're just worried about like, okay, but if the defense blitzes, he can't run. I mean, he's, <laughs> He looks like he looks like when like Joe Montana throws a ball in like a, a pharmaceutical commercial or something. That's what he looks like on the field pregame where like he that's just great he can't he can throw like he can still throw but like okay but Brett look at the Favre, speed of his Gene drop commercials back. right exactly no nah, Brett Favre still looks a little loose in the in the Wrangler commercials but um Fair. here's Rich Samini tweeted this out and this was something we had talked about a lot in our preview pod which was you know I'd watch the Chargers Bears game and I was like damn Joey Bosa looks good and some of the things that the Chargers do with their zone blitz looks and they'll put Mac next to Bosa. And you, I was worried about this, the right side of this Jets offensive line against them. But then the numbers did not back that up. The Chargers have not been good with getting after the passer this season at all. They've been terrible, actually. Mac had the one great game against the Raiders, which you can't take away from him. And then Bosa had been pretty slow up until that Bears game. We kind of went back and forth on it. Clearly, the Chargers pass rush did come to play. Samini tweeted this out. He said, Chargers rushed only four on all eight sacks. The Jets had a five-man protection on six of eight of those sacks, and they should have given more help to Billy Turner because four of five of Joey Bosa's pressures came on 15 rushes versus Turner, and two of those pressures came in under two and a half seconds. Um, so, oh, and he also said um, Bosa had no pressures against Becton. And then he also said Zach deserves some blame on at least five of the eight sacks. He had two fumbles, held the ball too long on a red zone sack, and then he also missed Lazard on another sack right after that. Um but like, do you think like I get I get the game plan? If we want to criticize Hackett for that. That was something that we had talked about, which was like yeah. on paper, this is not a, a team that is winning with their base pass rush. You can leave in five and aggressively tack this defense down the field. The Jets, I don't know if they aggressively attacked them down the field, but they didn't leave Conklin in to chip on on Turner's side that often. They, I mean, they did leave running back in a few times. Um, but they trusted this offensive line, and it's like watching Billy Turner. Maybe after the first two series, you would you would have changed things up. I don't know. I right. mean, I know I know they went thirteen personnel in the red zone, and they had a sack, so maybe it doesn't make a big difference. But uh, what do you just kind of feel about their plan for this for this Chargers pass rush, based off what we talked about in the preview pod? Yeah, well, those numbers are interesting because it really it very much has to do with what we were talking about going into this game. Like, how do you approach this pass rush with this offensive line? Do you give a lot of extra help? Do you face them straight up? And what I was saying was that, you know, considering the fact that this Chargers pass rush generally hasn't been very good this season, despite the name brand value that they have, I was saying, you know, challenge them to start the game. See if you can block them straight up. 
and you know put more stress on this Chargers secondary that has really struggled by putting those skill position players out running routes instead of keeping two guys in to block every time. That's what, what I said they should do to start. And I think there was credence to that idea, but I also said, you know, that's just to start the game because you want to test it and see, can we handle these guys? And then you could adjust it if you find out like, okay, right. Billy Turner can't block Joey Bosa, <laughs> despite the fact that Billy Turner couldn't you know, block maybe... me. I don't know. You always say okay. these things like you feel like you could take. All right, 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 whatever. You don't have to. You don't have to spill house secrets right now. He could block me. That's for sure. Maybe you'd have. A better I chance. did see blue. Uh, I did see blue at one on one against you know press jam you in the parking lot week one. I did, yeah, right. I'm, I I'm more of a slot receiver. Press little, release. Yeah. But if I were off the line scrimmage, not, maybe I'd be a little better. But I'm not. I'm not part of the trenches. Uh, regardless, I think it's like you know come out and see if he could block them because like I said, Joey Bosa, like he's Joey Bosa, but he's dealt with some injuries. He kind of got off to a slow start. Last week against the Bears, he broke out, but generally hasn't been himself this year. And then Mac, outside of one game, like you said, not that great this year either. And then they don't really have any, you know, super intimidating weapons outside of that. So challenge them. And I know your offensive line is struggling. Go block them. Let's let's see if you can handle it before we start keeping all these guys in and making it easier for that. Narrator, they couldn't. They could not. So I think they should have adjusted. So to hear those numbers, and it does track with. I didn't really, you know, specifically note that, but to. You know, hear those numbers and think back to those sacks. I'm like, yeah, they really weren't helping out on a lot of those sacks. Most of them are just one on one with straight up five man protection. So it seems like they did kind of follow the idea that I had to start the game, but they should have adjusted. It was pretty clear from the beginning that it wasn't going to work out. I mean, when a guy gives up 10, one guy gives up 10 pressures in a game at right tackle, it's not like all that's happening in one quarter. That's something you could see pretty quickly that the other team has his number. Uh, so they, they should have made that adjustment for sure. But at the same time, like it just brings you back to the dilemma of this offense, because then if you're keeping two guys in to block because you can't hold up now, your issue with the receivers is just only further exacerbated because these guys struggle to separate as it is. And now you're keeping two guys in to block and you're going three on seven against the back end. And it just becomes extremely difficult to separate. So it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to find solutions with what the Jets have at their disposal right now. Uh, the solution is you hope Dwayne Brown comes back and he looks better than he did at the beginning of the season. That's the solution. Yeah. That's their only chance, I feel, is Brown comes back hopefully maybe this week. Of course, you're going to match. What a place him. to be, Dwayne Brown being the only potential and, and And I think if he comes There's back he's waiting in the wings. Well, you're facing Max Crosby next week. I mean, that's really what it comes yeah. down to. And then the week after that, I mean, you have the Bills. So, I don't know. Let's go back to Zach. For a little bit. I don't think we really talked about his performance that much. Um, on the first rewatch, so I wrote down bad Zach plays and good Zach plays. Now, I'm sure there's going to be more of the bad that I didn't include when it comes to, because I haven't seen the all 22 of the, of some of the sacks that they took. Like Samini said, he was to blame for one of the sacks where he held the ball too long or he had Lazard open. So there are probably some plays in here that I could add, but just on the initial watch and then uh, condensed watch, the his first throw of the game, first quarter, it's second and six. He misses to Uzama right over his head. The third drive where he has the fumble. I mean, Turner's easily just moved back right into his lap. Zach Wilson does step up into the pocket and then immediately just gets the ball stripped out of his hand. And that play in particular, that was one of the other things. I know we're sticking with Zach, but that was one of the things too. It's like they never get Zach out of the pocket. And I know he hasn't been particularly good in those rollout plays. Like I think he's had a lot of mistakes on some of those plays, but they're forcing him to be a pocket passer and a, a pocket quarterback. And he's done a better job of 
back foot hits, steps up, keeping the play in rhythm. But it's like, can we get him out in space a little bit more? I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I know you're, you're trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, but like, I don't know. Um, the third, he, the third down flip to Carter where he would have scrambled and they would have had the first, he would have had a first down. They would have been just outside the red zone. Um, he had another play where he dirted the screen to Brees a little too early. Yeah, I saw you that. that. Did you think? Did you think he? I think have, I, I was, that was too early. I thought it was too. He gave up way too early. The pressure was not fine, but I was I was watching the game with somebody and they're like, "Well, he's probably trying to avoid the ineligible man downfield penalty. Like if if you hold the ball too long on a screen that's like a that, point. Yeah. that's where you might get the penalty." Although I have to look at it again to see how close they the, weren't. That was that, happening. They weren't too close. To keep in mind, they weren't too close. But I would imagine that's one of those things where like a coach might be like, "Hey, if this isn't there in a second, you just dirt it." And so that might be coaching. He had, yeah, he had a near interception over the middle trying to hit Garrett. Do you remember that? He hit the guy in the hands over the middle. Yeah. It was a laser. His footwork is at least a little better. Um, these are just all the notes I wrote, so I'm saying everything. Uh, third down, he had that 20-yard sack, which, I mean, you just can't do that with this style of football because the likelihood that the Chargers even gain 20 yards is pretty low on this Jets defense. I know they did move the ball a few times, but, like, he really, he really loves to take those twenty-yard sacks where he just starts running backwards, and so that was terrible. And then he had the last, the fumble with four minutes to go. Those were all the bad Zach plays that I wrote. I'm sure there are a couple other ones, but those are the main bad ones. And here are some of the good ones. And then I want to hear your thoughts on his performance. He had, a, it was on the first drive. He had a third down laser over the middle to Lazard. It was dropped. It was a big hit though. Um, then on the second drive, he had a second down laser to Garrett Wilson on the sideline, and it was out of bounds, but. Those, I thought it was a great throw, and it was a, a damn good catch if he could have gotten his feet in. I feel he like had, he was a little late on that one. I watched yeah. the film of it a little bit. He did kind of hitch. Like if you look at when Wilson or when Garrett Wilson was coming out of that break, he's kind of looking back already by the time the release happened. So I feel like it, I do remember watching that, being like, "All right, that, that was a pretty nice throw." So I solid throw, I guess, but it definitely was, I think, a, a beat late on that one. On his third drive, he had a, a terrific, honestly, a terrific. Uh, third down throw to Gibson right in the honey hole beating cover two. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. Um, then he had a, another great, uh, 30 yard back shoulder on third and 10 to Garrett. Well, that was the play we're talking about. Um, where it's like, I actually thought he did He did a nice job there. He gave Garrett a chance. I thought that was a nice throw. He, did, he had another one of those to, to Lazar that Lazar just doesn't high point. Um, he had a third and four where he read the full field and hit Gibson. He had, uh, the throw to Garrett Wilson to open up the half. If you remember that, I thought that was one of his better throws. He had – now I'm getting a little less specific with the notes here. I had second and eight laser to Uzama probably sometime in the third quarter. Um, three more here. Four more here. Amazing throw on first and 18 to Garrett Wilson because he couldn't – oh, I remember this. He couldn't step up. He had the guy right in his lap, and he kind of had to jump and throw it, and it was uh, an awesome throw. He – this one isn't a good play. I don't know why it's in here. But he made – it was a second to five. He rolled out. He made Mac miss. I think that's why I included it. And then he threw it to Uzama, and this was a Uzama drop, although that might have been too far inside. So I don't know if that should be within the good Zach plays. He had another throw uh, where he drew the PI on Conk. That's not necessarily great, Zach, but that was just emphasis on throw downfield. Good things happen. And then he had a fourth and five strike to Conklin. Which they get him down to the 10 on the last drive, which game was over by that point. But um, so when you when you read that, it's like he did. He had some really nice plays in this game. He also had some of those bad plays that I listed. I'm sure I'll rewatch the all 22 and there'll be a few more. Um, he's the same guy the last four weeks. He really has been the same guy. In fact, he had probably had more highlight throws in this game than he had against the Giants. It's just the the difference is, is that the last 24 seconds of the Giants game, they win that game. And overall, a win is better than a loss. So all three of those games you look at as better than this game. But to me, he wasn't any worse than he was against the Giants. 
He wasn't any worse than he was against the Eagles, and he wasn't any worse than he was against the Broncos. The Chiefs game stands as the only game where you really felt Zach Wilson carried this team. And outside of that, it's been this. And the margin of error for, for this offense is just so low that you can't win if your defense is allowing special teams touchdowns. Or sorry, if your special teams is allowing touchdowns and you're fumbling the ball and losing the turnover differential. But I look at Zach Wilson and I say, look, is he great? No. Is he giving him bottom third quarterback play without being the worst guy in all of football? I would say so. But the Jets offense sucks. They had six points in this game. Is it all Zach? No. Is he bad? Yeah. But like you said, receiver room, Hackett, offensive line all suck. So I just trying to be fair in our analysis here. But specifically on Zach, going through some of those plays, what, what did you make of this performance? I I think I'm a little lower on this one than you. I feel like it was a step down from the past three games. I just feel like there were uh, like the accuracy was. A little, I know he ends up ends up with like 67 percent or whatever. They threw a bunch of screens and dump offs at the end. There were some throws in here that were definitely of that variety of like, okay, come on, you got to hit that. That you know, the last few games you weren't getting too many. Maybe uh, last week you had a few, which, but like which one? He had the he had the misuse well, on right a, at the start of the game. There's that one. Then there was the one to Garrett over the middle later. That was uh, saying a touchdown is ambitious. Oh, but, you you're know, right. He had, the, he had right. the inside on that one. Okay. Um, in addition to that, I'm trying to think, there was the. I mean, the, I looked at the end zone angle of that Cook screen. I mean, catchable, but that was not ideal. It was kind of far out in front of him. Um, in addition to that, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but I, I know there was a few in this game where I was like, all right, those are throws I. You know, generally this year, I feel like he's been better at, but there well, were some easier misses in this one. I, I, didn't, a, I didn't include the Uzama drop in terms of good plays, too. I forgot about that, the touchdown. And then there was the – I mean, the dropped interception was – you know that would have been hard interception, but interceptable ball nonetheless. And he did have two fumbles, which, you know, not great pass protection, but fumbles have been an issue for him this year. And the, the last two years, that was one of the few silver, wine, li, silver linings for Zach Wilson is wow. that he did not – fumbled the ball that much those first two years i he had, think he had one last year in 2022 but he's already up to eight fumbles this year and some of those he was lucky he didn't lose but the last couple of weeks has caught up to him a little bit so yeah he had the, he had the two fumbles there's an interceptable ball i feel like there was uh, quite a few throws in this game that you know were hittable that he did not so i feel like it was a step down but at the end of the day i think like i said earlier i think the zach wilson conversation is overblown in the sense that it's like i don't really know what you want to talk about like you want to go to trevor simeon i know i was arguing that simeon is better when they first signed him but i think zach wilson has, has been better since then to the point where it's like i think it's probably a wash between those two guys do you want to go to tim boyle who's consistently not very good in the preseason and hey was worse than zach wilson in this, hey, this preseason that's our guy friend of the pod but <laughs> gotta, gotta evaluate fairly hopefully he does self-evaluation as well um, so, I mean, I, I just don't know what there is to talk about. Like he's not the number two pick anymore. He's a backup quarterback and he's playing like an average backup quarterback. He's not unplayable. I mean, they've won four games within this year and he's made some clutch drives. Um, but he's also not a high end backup because, you know, you see some backups come in, like I would say like Gardner Minshew is in that tier, Ryan Fitzpatrick during his career, like guys that like come in, it's like, okay, they can get hot and like really, you know, played some good games and score some points like Zach Wilson's not that type of backup either, but he's, I would say a 
typical backup quarterback okay. where I would your team's up. going your team's going to go as far as what the rest of the team does. That's what you're going to do with Zach Wilson. And right now the rest of the offense is absolute garbage. So that's what the offense looks like, but I think if you start doing everything else competently, you can be a competent offense with what he's doing. So that's my thing with Zach Wilson. It's like I don't really like he is what he is. He's not the franchise quarterback here. He's not going to be starting quarterback next year. But there's also not really a better option right now. So it is what it is. So I'd rather just focus on the other things, the other factors that can be fixed and controlled. Zach Wilson is who he is. And that's just all there really needs to be said. Get, get ready to roll your eyes, as will half of our listeners. He was better than Herbert in this game, which is not a fair comparison because Herbert's going up against a great defense and Zach Wilson was not. Herbert's also a great player and Zach Wilson is not. But I think all the discourse about Zach Wilson in this game is, like you said, I just think the conversation's overblown. I'm not trying to act like he's amazing or anything. He's not. But Herbert played like shit in this game. He got bailed out on that that Keenan Allen catch, which should have been touched on. Keenan Allen was wide open. And, yeah, that's probably more of a testament to this Jets defense. But, like, I don't know. I don't – I've seen clear improvement from Zach. And it's just – it's just, the whole situation is just unfortunate. Once, once Rodgers went down, you're just like, this is not how this was supposed to go. This guy was supposed to sit for two years. You, do you criticize him for not – I've seen this. A lot of people are criticizing him for not bringing in a better backup quarterback, for not trading for one at the deadline. But, like, first of all, I don't think Jacoby Brissett or Josh Dobbs is coming. Mean, I guess Josh Dobbs did just go, go win that game for the Vikings. But, like, coming in midseason trying to learn the whole playbook, which I don't know what there is to learn anyway. Um, but I don't think they're coming in and playing considerably better. Like, I don't think Trevor Simeon is entering this game and playing better than Zach Wilson. That's just the easy fix. People just want to see the new quarterback in. People are sick of Zach Wilson, understandably so. And the Jets had six points, and they've sucked on offense for for a month now. So it's like change the quarterback. But it's like I'm sorry, the the issues on this offense are so much deeper than Zach Wilson. He's the tip of the iceberg, and he did some bad things on this game. But like, I don't I don't see Trevor Simeon answering this or Tim Boyle answering this and putting up thirty points and beating the Chargers. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I think you could say is in the offseason, I don't think in-season or trade deadline there's anything really to do. The only thing is that, you know, in the offseason, like, could you have brought back Mike White, tried to trade Zach Wilson, get someone, you know, of that higher-end backup level? I think you could have done that, but they wanted to do the development route, put him under Aaron Rodgers and keep the faith in him and all that. And I guess he can maybe continue building trade value and maybe you get something out of him next year versus, like, one of those other guys who don't have that type of value if you just sign them. So maybe that was part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like I think Zach Wilson is obviously a massive part of the problem right now, but I just, I just don't like have the motivation to like sit here and pin everything on him. He's the backup quarterback. It's like the number two pick thing was out the window when he got benched the second time in his second season, it, you know, for Joe Flacco. That's it was over at that point. At this point, this is a backup quarterback. You're getting backup quarterback results. That's really all there is to it. You're playing 17 games without your starting quarterback. And, you know, when that happens, you need the supporting cast around him to be great to win. And that's not the case right now. So I just don't really see the purpose in pinning blame on a backup quarterback is what I'm kind of looking at. Three for 17 on third down. Eight sacks allowed. Eight penalties for for forty yards. Let's just run through some of these self inflicted wounds. That was the the uh, common phrase exiting this game, and I'm sure I probably missed some. I tried to write down anytime I saw one during the game, but I, I probably missed a few. Uh, Garrett Wilson fumble 
on the second drive, we would have first and 10 inside the 35. That was right after the, uh, sorry, I didn't even include, sorry. Special teams touchdown should be noted uh, before we get into this, just because we haven't talked about it. It did feel like, I'm very hindsighted now, but I know you said this as well, but it did feel like it was over at that point. Because oh, like yeah. you just you just knew like that's how the Jets win games this year. Is they hold good teams to like 13, 17 points, something in that range. And hopefully the offense can scratch out the one touchdown you, and a couple field goals that they need. Can you actually do me a favor? Can you pull up the all 22 of that punt return, the end zone view and share the screen for anybody watching on, on YouTube? Because I want to see something from from the broadcast angle. It looked like uh, Uzama was a big culprit on this play. I was also wondering, is it possible more set out the kicks as coverage here? That would have been a question that that I guess we I think we did ask him that over the summer in terms of like out kicking your coverage, but like he's getting really aggressive. That kind of that was a deep that was a bomb. Well, we to open we up just asked him about his tackling technique and then oh Hennessy, I, I know. You know well, Hennessy misses the tackle, but I'm pretty sure Uzama. Oh, well, Morstead. Pretty... We just asked him. Oh, he said yeah. he doesn't practice well. Oh, you're I, right. That's pretty evident. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. To be fair, Morstead. If it gets I expect him, him to make yeah. that play. Hennessy Hennessy blows the tackle too, but. If you could pull that up for anybody watching on video, yeah. we went over all the third downs on the preview pod, and then people were mad that we didn't show it on video. And it's like, well, most of our listeners are on audio, so we don't want to be like too video centric. But just to just to prove the point, I, I can go keep going through some of these self-inflicted wounds. But the first one was the the punt return touchdown, which but no, I was saying about the punt return, like I feel like it was over at that point because like even if the defense did what you expected them to do, which is what they ended up doing, and that's holding a great offense to like thirteen points or so. Uh, which, you know, take out the touchdown at the end. That doesn't count because, you know, offensive turnover set it up. But before that, they gave up 13 points on offense. That's how they've been winning games this year. So once you tack that extra bonus touchdown on top of that and make it 20, the Jets offense has to get 20 points to win a game. You're like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So it was, you know, a huge backbreaker, to say the least. Uh, and then there were a lot of them, but this, this was the first one. Um, all right, just to, for the – Listener's sake. I'll just keep going through some of these self-inflicted wounds while you pull that up. So they had the punt return. Then they had Garrett Wilson fumble in the second drive, which we talked about. Then right after that, the Chargers fumble, and they can't recover it. And we'll get to this punt in a second after this. But they can't recover it, and it's the first of many because I think the messaging has clearly been this offense can't score. Actually, I think they even said that in the post game. One of the I can't remember who, who exactly said it, but I think the messaging has been the offense can't score, so defense, we got to score. And twice in this game, we'll get to the second one later, there's a fumble on the ground, and they try to scoop it instead of falling on it. And the first of which happens, Quincy tries to pick it up and scoop it. He doesn't get it, and the Chargers recover it. And that could have you know, made up for, for Garrett Wilson's fumble. Um, Clemens' one is worse. But we'll keep going with the self-inflicted wounds. Let's talk about this punt return here for a second, though. Let it play. Now, I could be wrong, but watching the broadcast, it looks like Uzama plays a big role in missing this. Look at this form. What a bomb. What a bomb for Morstead. All right, they're all getting down there. I do feel like it was... You know, a little bit of an outkick, but I mean, someone's yeah, got to make the play still. It, so it wasn't like it. 58 yards. Go back. It was go like back. 58. Go so, back. I mean, still with that distance, that should be enough. Okay. Who's this on? Play. Who's this on? So I was watching this earlier. I think there's a, it was 59. So, like, yes, he outkicked them a little bit, but you're only giving them like, what, on a 59 yard punt? Like, he'll get like his 10 free yards or like five or six here, but. So I think there's a couple guys. Is that Sherwood? Uzama is that, definitely is that one of them. Sherwood who eats shit? Like Uzama coming down the numbers. Look at that block. He gets stonewalled right there. So he couldn't get in the middle of that lane. So at another touchdown, that's three potential yeah. touchdowns on Uzama in this yeah. game. Um, I and think, he had another bad special teams play later. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but he missed a tackle. I, I also 
think Eccles is someone you could put this on. Feel yeah. good, Eccles. Trying to find him here. He's right oh, He's, he's yeah. coming he's right down by the hashes. Yeah, like he he should have had that lane. He kind of got to the, the other. The other guys watch Sherwood at the beginning of the play. You got to go to the beginning because you see him. He gets pancaked at their his own forty yard line. So watch Sherwood. You'll find him. There he is. He's forty four. He's got blocked. There you go. So he oh, he yeah. falls down there and then watch how he fills this lane. Oh, that's I mean, huge. Yeah, that that's a good call out by you. That that really might be the one because yeah. I mean, some of these other ones you could justify like maybe they're trying to fill the lane. They expect someone to be there, but sure would really. Yeah, and that was. I think he's generally terrible. been all right, but yeah. And then Hennessy obviously misses the tackle, but like long snapper, that's your like second to last line of defense yeah. after after Hennessey's the punter. Gr- you had what was the stat? He has yeah, the, he most... the most tackles of any long snapper since he came to the Jets, which is like twenty. So he gets three a year, and that's great. So he's not a guy who's supposed to be making these tackles. Yes, he'd like him to make it, but someone else had to be there first. Also, all right, I just noticed another one here. Look at Bodden here. He's like coming right down the middle of the logo. He's on that right hash. And just goes right outside. I mean, I know maybe that's his assignment. He's filling the lane, but like. I think that I, mean, the, I guess he just wanted to get Morset has been so good and the gunners have been so good that I don't think the rest of the, the punt coverage unit has gotten that much practice <laughs> at yeah. covering because it's like seems like Charles has been awesome. They usually have Hardy, you know. But yeah, I mean that was just a lot of guys messed up on that play. It's a bummer that they introduced Morset. Did we get a video of them introducing Morset out of the tunnel? Twelfth man of the uh, defense. I think I saw some. I I didn't watch it though. It's just what, it's a bummer that irony that you introduce a punter first and he goes out and you get a punt return touchdown on the first punt. What a Jets thing to do! All right, let's get rid of this. Um, all right, a couple things before we get out of here. I just want to keep running through these self-inflicted wounds. So they had the punt. Garrett Wilson fumble can't recover. The Chargers fumble right afterwards. Keep going. The next drive, illegal shift penalty and Lazard wipes out a 15-yard run on second and ten. That's the end of the first quarter. Then Brees Hall on a third and three fumbles the pitch and it would have been an easy third down conversion and maybe a lot more. I'd like to see the all 22 on that play. You don't have to pull it up, but I'd like to see the all 22 on that play to see what type of, uh, what type of carry he could have because on the broadcast, it looked like he could have maybe had a huge run on that. And maybe that's part of the reason he drops it. Aikman was trying to blame Zach, which by the way, I was at a bar, so I, I could barely hear Aikman, but from what I was hearing, I mean, he was just dumping on Zach relentlessly, which just maybe, you know, maybe he deserves it, but it's like, I'm going to say anything. You could go look at Zach. Somebody had this tweet and I don't have it in front of me, so I can't give him credit. But like, if you compare Zach Wilson's stats versus Troy Aikman's stats for 29 starts, Zach was better. Not that Zach has been good, but like Aikman was just dumping on him. Every time I could hear the TV, he was just taking a shit on him. And it's just like, I don't know. He was Johnny one note. He just kept saying everything was Zach Wilson's fault. Am I defending Zach too hard here? You think? A little bit, but I mean, I did kind of feel a sense of like he felt the need to jump in and let's say, all right, so this is the thing with Zach Wilson. Like every yeah. time you made a mistake, which justified, justified, but it does feel like announcers every week kind of have that feeling with him to where they come into the game and they're like, what can I say about Zach Wilson here? But again, yeah. I think go out and throw more than five touchdowns in nine <laughs> games or eight games and maybe that'll stop. It's true. CJ Stroud's going to catch him in his first year. <laughs> Yeah. Zach Wilson's on he his third year. Kenny Pickett. Yeah, he's he's I think he's six behind Zach, maybe seven. No, yeah, six behind Zach Wilson right now. And Zach's in year three. Um he's got 20. Sure. All right, then 14. Then Dalvin <laughs> Cook. You could pass him in that game where they play. Then I, here's more self-inflicted wounds. Uh Dalvin Cook dropped the screen, although you said Zach Wilson had could have had a better throw, but they had blockers open grass in front of them. They're in plus territory. That could have been a huge play. Um, the play where Zach Wilson should have ran it, and he pitched it to Carter. 
Um, hence the face penalty on Jermaine Johnson. Um, Whitehead drops a pick, although I think it was it would have been a pretty tough pick to make. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, Lazard's hold, bringing down, bringing back a first down run on second uh, on the second drive out of half. Clemens trying to scoop the McDonald force fumble when he could have just fallen out of the Jets would have had the ball down. What down was it six to seventeen at that point? I don't know if I blame Clemens for that as much as other people because like people treat that as if it's such a conscious decision to do that, as if he's prepared to do that before the play, and it's anything more than like a half second where he's making that. He sees the ball and like yes, I I do think he should have fell on it, but like to think that like there's preparation going into that or there's a thought process like they're coached. Yeah, you think they coach Michael Clemens? I think they. I know. No, you pick that up and you go score. I don't, I don't think so. It's I just think a split they, second. Didn't make the best call, Michael. but it also wasn't a great bounce. It's just oh, unfortunate. Let me, let me share my screen here for a second. We're really, we're really bringing in all the video. Uh, what the? Uh, okay. Oh, sorry. It's a new I, don't know, I just okay, feel whatever. like fumbles the, are such a random thing to where if we're going to criticize a guy's lack of fumble recovering, I just, and, and I was all over Clemens last week for the, the offsides penalty. Like that's something that's a conscious thing. Okay, can you recovering a fumbles? Who who's prepared for that? Can you share so, your screen? Because I can't. For some I, reason. I do think he should have fell on it. But share your, share your screen on the to... on the DM I just sent you. Okay. Just open up that image. Uh, you're saying it's not on coaching. I they said it in the post. I'm trying to remember who exactly said it. But the offense can't score, so the defense's mentality is we want to get a touchdown. That's why Clemens is bending over. Somebody tweeted it. He I retweeted it. So. I gave him credit on Twitter, but he's, he's like, it's like he's picking up a nickel on the, on the sidewalk. It's like, I understand the offense can't score. And like you said, it's just a reactionary thing. And I don't even blame the Jets coaches for that being the messaging of like, we got to score, but that's two times in this game. I think you had the tweet. Was it six of seven loose balls that went to the chargers? And the yeah. only one that the Jets fell on was, was the, uh, was the Brees hall one on third down, which could have been an easy first share the screen, just that image of Clemens real quick and say, you don't blame him. This is just we've we're devolving into a full-on video show here. I can't get it. To, what do you mean? Know. I just DM'd it to you. I couldn't get it. I don't know. If All right, whatever. You, people can find it. Just search search Clemens on Twitter. You can find the image of him bending over at the way he's trying to pick up the ball. But um, yeah. And then uh, Lazard had another hold that brought back a run. All right. Actually, you know what? I watched this play. I'm backing up what I said. People are reaching. By the time he sees it, he's already standing over the ball. How is he supposed to fall on it? He's supposed to jump on it, fall down, sprawl. By, if you look, if you look at it again, by the time he sees it, he's standing over the ball, and if he were to fall on it, he's, he's not in a position sprawl. to put his body on it. And Herbert is right in front of it anyway. I don't know. I, I do agree, but I just feel like it's nitpicking. All right. Well, it's one of the many self-inflicted wounds. I'm sure there are other ones that I mentioned, but penalties galore, fumbles galore, special teams touchdown. This team is not built. Oh, I left out a big one. Sorry. Let's talk about the defense because we haven't talked about the defense at all, which was pretty flawless. I think Sauce Gardner, in terms of the good from this game, Sauce Gardner was unbelievable. And he's not going to get any credit because the Jets sucked. But, like, he had a terrific pass defense to open up the game. He had another, on the se- I think, on the second drive, he had a tight coverage on an early second down to force third. He had two other great pass defenses, including an awesome one on third and three in short yardage situations. So Sauce Gardner, I think – Arguably had his best game of the season. Um, here are some of the other notes I had about the defense. Uh, I loved the blitz to open up the game where they had Q at the five tech and JFM at the three tech. And then they had uh, Carter and then Johnson 
coming right, in. You know what? I get it now. I, I, I was rewatching this. I was slowing it down a little bit. <laughs> Still I do it. feel like if he if he threw his body at him, he sprawls. Could have knocked, at least knocked Go straight yeah, down. Like, at least knocked him out of the way. And then Jefferson was there to pick yes. it up. So all right. I'm glad I'm glad you're still on that play three minutes later. We're talking defense, <laughs> Michael. Um, and speaking of JJ, because let's talk about the good for a second. Jets pass rush was awesome. And JJ has really come on this last month of football. And you talked about it, how that was a huge matchup in this one is JJ versus Slater. JJ's been a, playing like a, a damn good edge rusher the last few weeks, and you've seen the fruits of his labor. Uh, across this entire Jets defense. And if he was not, if he was going to get stonewalled by Slater in this game, it could be a long one for this Jets defense, but that didn't happen. The Jets are moving Jermaine Johnson around like an elite player. They're moving him around like a Micah Parsons right now. They're sending him on delayed blitzes, stunts right at the center, moving him all across the defensive line. You're seeing his versatility shine and he's playing out of his mind. I think he had his career high pressures last night. Is that what you tweeted out? Yeah. Nine pressures. So he's on team and a career high. Bryce Huff, still good. JFM had a great game. Quinnen had a great game. So this Jets defensive line at least came to play. That was that was one of the, the only good parts um, of this game. There's one play in particular, though, on the defense that does make me angry. And I was I was showing it to you um, before we started recording. But it's after the, the second fumble. So after Zach Wilson gets stripped, Chargers have the ball at midfield. The Jets get him in an early third down. I think it was third and six. And they come out and dime which I don't know why you're taking out arguably your best defensive player in Quincy Williams to put in Brandon Eccles. Fine. If you want to go dime, take out Mosley and keep Quincy in because Quincy's your better pass coverage linebacker. And what that leads to is that Mosley's one-on-one with Eckler. We talked about in the preview podcast that Quincy Williams, Austin Eckler matchup is going to be fantastic. But instead you take Quincy out, you go dime. It leaves Mosley one-on-one with Eckler. Huff gets the pressure. Herbert has to roll left and Eckler just gets by Mosley, and I don't think he gets by Quincy. It turns into a big game. They get into field goal range, and then they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. That was a huge play because if they stop him, the Jets have the ball inside their probably inside their ten. They would have been pinned deep, down seven, still one possession game. They would have stopped the bleeding from from the two fumbles. But instead, they go dime, which there are there isn't a lot to criticize in this Jets defense. But I hate it, and they did it later in the game too. And uh, easy first down. I think it was another third down. Easy first down. They just targeted Eccles immediately, and it was a first down. So you point out him on on the punt coverage, but it's not his fault on the on this third down. But he does get beat on the later one. I just don't. I don't like it. I don't like going dime in that situation. And if you are going to go dime, take out Mosley. Leave your better pass coverage linebacker in. I don't know if that messes things up in terms of like play calling because Mosley's got the green dot on his helmet. I, I don't know if that's the reason. I know Mosley's your your team captain, your defensive captain, but. Quincy is leaps and bounds better than him in terms of covering a guy like Austin Eckler out of the backfield. So I don't know how you felt about that play. There's a few other defensive notes I have here, but that was a huge play. That was that was a game-defining play that's going under the radar. Okay. Now that we're done nitpicking, do we want to talk about how dominant they were in this game? How it was maybe their best game of the season? Yeah. All right, you can you can take that one. We'll flip rolls here. I'll be I'll be bad cop. You can be good cop. Because I mean like the, the loss should not overshadow, and especially the 27 points on the scoreboard should not change how dominant the defense was in this game and the fact that yet another elite quarterback has come into MetLife Stadium and they've had just as miserable a day as the fans in the stands, which is a very hard thing <laughs> to pull off. But they did it again, and Justin Herbert, I mean, this was maybe the worst game of his career. It was a career low in passing yards, third fewest passing yards per attempt, tied for the most sacks. Tied for the or 
It was the fewest net passing yards between both passing yards and sack yards. Fifth game of his career with no passing touchdowns. So, I mean, like by Justin Herbert's standards, and he's he's a fantastic quarterback, you know, regardless of their record or playoff success, he's he's up there. He's never looked this bad. And, like, you could say what you want about Zach Wilson's Jets offense. The Jets offense outplayed the Chargers yeah, offense. Yeah, that's what game. I said. They, yeah, which you were getting at earlier. I, I was going to jump in and say that, but. At the end of the day, the Jets had 79 more yards than the Chargers did, and maybe they tacked on some garbage yards at the end. But the whole game, they were ahead of them. You could see it as they were putting it up there. Only difference in this game is the punt return touchdown, and then six of the seven fumbles go to the Chargers. Only if only a couple of those go the Jets' way, it's a whole entirely different game. And you know, ideally, you don't give up a punt return touchdown, but that probably isn't going to happen again this season. So yeah, like it really wasn't a total domination of the in turn uh, in favor of the chargers it was more just no the Jets two shot really themselves. bad offenses but the chargers got all the fumbles and they got a punt return touchdown and that changed the entire game so um defensively they were amazing i mean they gave up fewer yards than they gave up to the giants last week and this is against justin herbert so i think the best part of this game is how good the pass rush was without blitzing coming into this game i was saying how they should go with a really low blitz rate because Herbert is great against the blitz. And they did that. They only blitzed him four times the whole game and they still pressured him on 54% of his dropbacks, the highest of his career. So if you're never blitzing and you're still pressuring a guy over half the time, that's, that's a formula for dominance because now you got this already great secondary with an extra guy in coverage on almost every play. And it's going to be hard to move the ball against that. And that's what happened. So Jermaine continues to, he was my, was this? I did say he was the X Factor for yeah. this game, and that was proven correct. He had the best game of his career in terms of pressures, led the team, nine pressures, and we saw the results of that in terms of how good this pass rush looks when he's playing at that level. I do believe this is the best pass rush in the league when Jermaine Johnson is playing at a high level, which he has now for four games in a row. Uh, so he's the biggest X Factor on this defense, and if he continues to play that way, which at this point it's now four games in a row, it's the Jets are going to play defense like this all season, and they're going to win some more games, even if the offense continues to be what it is. Um, but then Bryce Huff is it's just a weekly occurrence now. He gets seven pressures, and it's not even really news anymore. He continues to just be by far the most efficient edge rusher in the league. JFM had seven in this game, or actually eight, I believe. Quinnen had another six, and you know the sack scouts will be out there in full force looking for those for those sacks, but. Uh, he's a part of so many of those sacks as well. Like, you know, the Jets had a uh, sack on a three-man rush by Jermaine Johnson where Quinnen was eating up two blockers. Then Huff had a one-on-one, and he takes advantage of that. Um, And there there was another sack where I think Quinnen, like, was kind of in on it, but he didn't get statistical credit. So, like, I don't care about the sacks. He continues to be dominant. Will McDonald threw in a good spin move later. He had a couple good reps and limited action. Solomon Thomas was active. So the whole pass rush with no blitzing, just total dominance on this Chargers Chargers offensive line. The defense, the secondary behind it was fantastic. Sauce had his best game of the year in terms of being active. Like, he's had great games in terms of just he's not getting targeted, but he had great plays on the ball in this game. They challenged him, and he was ready. Um, You know, they did have some only downsides, like, you know, a couple more penalties you probably don't need. Uh, Well, not probably, but (laughs) penalties you shouldn't be committing. Then, obviously, there was the... Uh, second half drive where the Chargers ate a lot of clock. Um, 
other than that, it was a really they ate a good lot of game. clock. With, think about this: yeah. without that drive, Michael, because the Jets basically ran twenty more plays than the Chargers, and they had nine minutes more of time of possession. Think about that. How that drive took up what, like eight minutes? I mean, the Jets' defense, yeah, like you said, dominated this game. It, it's really not any really anybody shouldn't be rolling their eyes when I said Zach Wilson played better than Justin Herbert. Herbert was awful in this game. This Chargers offense was awful, and that's the thing. This Jets defense, if they don't turn the ball over. And if special teams doesn't allow a touchdown, they'll keep them in every game. The Jets will be in the game against the. I mean, please beat the Raiders next week. You and I will both be there. But they'll be in it against Buffalo again later this year. They'll be in it against Miami both games. They'll be in all these games if they don't turn the ball over and they don't allow big special teams play. I mean, it's, it's what it comes down to: penalties, fumbles, special teams touchdown. Jets aren't going to win. I mean, that's just simple as that. And there are things they should change in offense. But yeah, this this defense is living up to to the hype. I think the first few weeks we were all kind of like, eh, you know, they had they weren't good against Dallas. They had, although they did tighten it up in the second half. They allowed the that a few broken plays to open up the season. But really, since the second quarter of that Chiefs game, this defense has been the best in football. So you can't take that away from them. At least, at least the Jets' defense is fun to watch every week. So the offense, on the other hand, is <laughs> making me lose brain cells watching it. Um. I think we can get out of here. I think I think we covered it all. Um, we'll have our Raiders preview pod coming out on Friday, probably with a guest. Um, so we'll be talking about that. It's a massive game. Still in Sunday Night Football. You and I will both be there out in Vegas, Michael. We can drown. If the Jets lose, we can drown our woes in gambling and strippers. So at least there's that. Um, but, yeah, that'll be that'll be coming out on Friday. So. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Follow us at TYJ Pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nanny, and myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Check out other, the other Jets X Factor pods. Rate, resubscribe if you can. Subscribe to the iTunes, or Jesus, subscribe to the YouTube. I think that's it. Uh, any last thoughts? Um, I saw a lot of haters of the white on black jerseys. I like the um, white on black. It looked good. I, th- I, like I think it's good. I will say this was not the best matchup for it against the chargers blue on yellow it was as i feared a pretty not not the most pleasing to look at in my opinion i think it would have been better if chargers went blue on white um but regardless i still believe in them still a five and four record all time with white on black and is, is there another uniform in jets history they have a winning record in i don't probably not i, I would be willing to bet no because there's not a lot of winning the alternates uh, they're 500 this, the throwbacks that's true Throwbacks are 500, so, you know. And I count that Chiefs game as a win mentally, so <laughs> throwbacks record's pretty good. Um, all right, that's it. We'll be back on Friday. Thank you everybody for listening. Let us know. Comments below. Tweet at us. Troll us. Whatever. Um, have a good one. Also, wait. Oh. I got one more thing to say. Oh. How did our predictions go? Did we? Oh, I said Clemens blocked field goal. You said? He almost had a fumble recovery. What was your other random trip. i had mosley force fumble i was talking about how i felt the Chargers would fumble and i was right they did they just couldn't fall on any of them but mosley didn't force one so i was wrong on that and then the other one is i thought they would hit a deep ball to lazard i almost said taylor which they did throw. actually they threw a deep ball to lazard they had it he just didn't high point it so I will, and then i also i tweeted out later i thought that sauce might get his first interception of the year but no i've been terrible on these score predictions and the zach wilson predictions. rushing touchdown you predicted not you predicted what was close. your 
what was your score prediction? Because you predicted the chart. You're, I think you're seven. I did say the Chargers would win. I said 26-21, so a little optimistic on that Jets offense, but I was only one point off on the so Chargers. And I'm and now 7-1 on my wow. game predictions. You've been very good on the score predictions. Both of us have sucked in the random predictions, but whatever. And I I think both of us have been pretty good on the X-Factors. I've had, had a number of games where it feels the like X-Factor this week was excellent. I mean, yeah. defensively, with my pick of Johnson, he was great. The defense was great. And then offensively, you pick Lazard. He was awful. And <laughs> yeah. It had a huge impact on the offense. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for listening. All right. So we Have know football. Week. Keep yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll be back sometimes. on sometimes. Yeah. We'll be back on Friday, um, previewing the Raiders game. So go Jets.